0: Do you have one of those shows that you realized you've been watching for just a really long time? For us, that's Worst Cooks in America, a Food Network show that's in its 23rd season or just wrapped up its 23rd season. And Phil and I realize we've watched them all. They come on and, I don't know, it's just so fun to watch someone go through that transformation. Aha, uh-huh, storytelling, Right from being the worst cook in America to being the best of the worst cooks in America. Here's how it works. They basically bring in uh, 12 people. They're split up into two teams. Usually uh, people come together. So maybe you're split up from you know the person that you arrive with, your family member or best friend or something. That's what they did on season 23 recently. But you're split into two teams and everyone there is like a certified worst cook. They've been nominated. They had to prove it. They had to show it. So they're all the worst cooks. And the premise is that these two celebrity chefs are going to help them become great cooks. They're going to take them on this journey to make them a great cook. Every week, people are eliminated. And then in the finale, you see the two best of the worst cooks from the two teams. You see them face off in a restaurant kitchen in uh, for three judges where they have to produce a restaurant-quality meal, all while being coached by their celebrity chef who can't help them who can't taste anything, who can't touch anything, who can just give them like voice advice, right? Can just tell them where to move and stuff. That's the premise of Worst Cooks in America. It's on its 23rd season. There have been celebrity seasons, and it's just really fun. It's really fun to watch this journey. Anne Burrell, Chef Anne Burrell, has I think she's like the reigning queen. She's always the celebrity chef, the main host of it. And then this last season, there was a new cook, a new chef, uh, Cliff Crooks, who was the one that was competing with Anne to have the best of the worst. Another fun thing that happened this season that we love the show because of was that it was the first season where two drag artists were on the show. There was one on each team, and they actually knew each other, Peaches and Marty. Uh, Marty is Peach's drag mom. And so they knew each other, they were split up on teams, and they made it to the finale. The two people competing for the winner of Worst Cooks in America season 23 Came together and they were both drag artists. First time in uh, in Food Network, probably Food Network history. If we're being honest, they can be a little more uh, a little slower to add interest and diversity to their ranks. But this season was so fun to watch. Uh, we loved watching it. Obviously, Phil and Viv and I had so much fun. And it just felt really different. There was this joie de vie because these two drag artists who were there really brought a different feeling. There was so much fun. There was a sense of camaraderie. There was so much singing. And uh, and I just had so much fun. And so... When the final episode aired last week, I had reached out to one of the one of the two drag artists and said, you're just my favorite because she brings so much interest. She had been a, a former Broadway um, uh, musical theater major and had done a lot of performance and so was singing and making up songs throughout and just brought this lightness and love to it. And I really wanted to interview her for the mic drop moment. And then the finale aired and she was the winner. And I got to talk to her the next day. This is that interview. This is my interview with Peaches Iman Cummings, uh, who I think is one of New York City's like newest, juiciest rising stars. As I mentioned, she's the drag daughter of a renowned activist and drag legend, Marty Gold Cummings, who has a TEDx talk you can check out and also ran for New York City uh, Council. And so this is someone who is really focused on using their platform. Uh, and Peaches is focused on using her platform to highlight black queens in the city's seemingly monochromatic nightlife scene. In addition to drag, she also sits on the board of directors for Help NYC, is passionately involved with local government and volunteers with multiple organizations through the city. And really, I can say from watching this last season and just falling in love with Peaches with a Z, uh, really pairs high energy performance with this clear point of view and perspective. Uh, Peaches, I gotta tell you, will feed your mind, your body, your soul. And that's exactly what happened. I wanted to interview Peaches before I knew that that she was the winner of twenty five thousand dollars and Worst Cooks in America, Food Network, uh, season twenty three. I wanted to interview Peaches because I thought it was such a fun way to think about performance. We often see these drag stars on Drag Race or or shows like that, and there's there's competition, there's a heightened, and they seem almost like very different people. What I imagined I was going to find with Peaches with the Z was that it was an elevated heightened version of of who she was out of drag. And that's exactly what we talked about. We talked about how being in drag is not about adopting another persona, but it's about finding parts of you and pumping them up, bringing them to light, um, giving them extra energy. And in a way, being able to say what maybe you wouldn't normally say. And that's what we're all about here on the show. And by the way, if that kind of journey is interesting to you. This episode is being sponsored by, because I can, the Mic Drop Method. The Mic Drop Method is my group coaching program where there's some group coaching, there's some one-on-one coaching, and the journey is to figure out who you are. What is yours to say? What's held you back? We go deep. We figure out how your shadow is sabotaging you. We look for how to balance the shadow and the light so that you can have this through line from, you know, your highest self all the way down to your rooted self in your delivery, in your performance, in your message, but also the through line of the story. What are you going to share? What is the change you want to see in the world? So if that sounds fun to you, if you want to go on that journey, you can apply to work with us over at MikeGanino.com. You'll see the Apply Now button and... Uh, and if it's a fit, if it seems like something fun, then then I'll send you an invite to some private training that we're doing. You can learn a little bit more about the three uh, big fundamental energy centers of being an epic transformational storyteller and public speaker. Uh, so if that sounds fun, go over to mikeanino.com and apply to work with me in the Mic Drop method. Now, without further ado, here's my conversation with Season 23, winner of Worst Cooks in America, the best of the worst, if you will, which her new merch says, which is super fun. You gotta grab a t-shirt. Uh, here we are. Here it is. Peaches Iman Cummings on the Mic Drop moment.
1: So you have a story to tell and you wonder how to own the stage and give that killer speech that will captivate the masses. You don't just want to speak to them, you want to transform your audience. Welcome to the Mic Drop Moment. Bold conversations about public speaking, storytelling, and business that give you real-world valuable takeaways so you can craft a speech, a story, a business and a life that the world can't stop talking about. It's time to find your mic drop moment. Here is your host, Mike DeNino.
0: I feel so lucky to be able to talk to you as I'm probably not the first. Like, I don't know if this is media. Does this count as media? Do podcasts count as media? Of course they know. do. Okay. Is it like one of your early media appearances as the winner of, um, of Worst Cooks in America? This is the very first one. So, oh my gosh, it's such an honor, such an honor. So how, what was the process like of being on the show? First of all, just in general,
2: it was so fun. It was, very 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 difficult (laughs) i mean most of the days were 16 hour shoot days um and uh this was the first time that there were drag queens or drag artists on the show so um if the call time was 6 a.m marty and i were up at 4 a.m to get ready and uh it was just—it was a long day and 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 in tough conditions and a lot of wigs and tights and makeup. But, um, overall, it was just such a fun, fun experience, and and like you can't ever really mentally prepare yourself, I don't think, for it. And on top of it, I got to do it with my best friend and my drag mother. So so
0: wonderful. So cool. And for the two of you to be in the finale, I mean, how cool I, is that?
2: That was wild. That was so so cool to. It was what we wanted when we were going into the show, and I think uh, we didn't necessarily anticipate it rolling out like that. We were working hard to make sure it happened, and then when it did happen, we were both like, "Cool, great!" Like at, at that point, it made the finale so easy for both of us because we were like, "One of us is going to win, so either way, we're walking away victorious." <laughs> and like, that's so great. And and at the end of the day, we both won, respectively, on our teams. So. We're both winners in my eyes,
0: yeah, its well, and it's so interesting I was watching it, and I was thinking about first of all in that in that finale scene where you are in the kitchen cooking like rest in a restaurant kitchen cooking restaurant quality meal while in full drag right. that's never been done on the show before. People usually just like roll in there they've had a little powder on their face so they're not blurry on camera, but you both were performing. I I mean, working in that kitchen in full drag, which is
2: in heels or no heels? Uh, I wore heels the very first day and realized that that was not the movie. (laughs) So I uh, kicked those babies off. And if you can see throughout the show, there are times where if they're zoomed out far enough, I am definitely in a dress with sneakers. I love it. Mm -hmm. That's a brand. That's a brand. Yeah, it's it's, it's the the working New York gal, you know. (laughs) In the office, and then when I'm running to the train, I'm throwing on my sneakers. It's it's perfect. It's perfect. A working girl, working girl. Right. So, when you initially,
0: what was the impetus to do the show originally? Did someone reach out to you both and say you should do this? Did you watch a season and say, "I'm not a great cook. Let's do it."
2: Um. I mean, Marty and I both shared that uh, we this thing in common that we were not excellent cooks, and (laughs) and then. Randomly, I get a call from Marty, and she was like, "Hey, what what are you doing the next few weeks?" And I was like, "I don't know." And uh if you don't don't know, Marty ran for city council in New York City here in in her district, and we had been working on her campaign, and this the call came in literally, I want to say the week after the campaign ended and the elections were over. So we were coming down out of this like two year full court press (laughs) sprint that ended up in, in, in Marty, not winning this city council seat. So we were kind of like, what's next anyways, Marty specifically was like, what's next. And then this call came in and, and uh, we kind of ran for it and ran with it because we were just like, we, we didn't know what we were getting ourselves into necessarily we had both seen the show and we're like that would be so much fun and then we get the call randomly and it's like why not now let's go <laughs> so it yeah getting onto the show was was so it it felt like serendipity because we didn't uh know exactly what was the next step for both of us after the mm-hmm. campaign ended so to have that door kind of open up it's one of those like oh the universe will always kind of place things exactly where they need to be for you. If you're yeah,
0: this-, this is this is what's here. And now we've got to get we've got to get uh Food Network. We're gonna send everyone who's listening to the mic draw moment. We're gonna tweet. We're gonna call our representatives at Food Network to get a show because you both brought so much life to this. And and so hopefully that's the next call that comes in from the universes.
2: Is- Please, <laughs> we would. Lo- uh, I mean, as far as we know, we're the first drag artists on the Food Network. We are the first non-binary drag artists on the Food Network. And even more importantly, I am the first Black non-binary drag artist to win a competition on the Food Network. And I think uh, the rating showed that people reacted really positively to it. And a lot of the social media interactions that we've gotten have just been nothing but positive and excitement that uh, there there's this new kind of <laughs> A, a niche demographic that we can tap into, because you know, with drag race and and just with the state of the world in general, I think there's been a lot of acceptance of drag into the mainstream, and I, I don't know that people really necessarily ha- have have known what that looks like for channels like the Food Network or 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 TLC or or some of the 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 ones that their de- demographics are primarily you know like housewives in middle america mm-hmm. and and people that wouldn't necessarily tune into vh1 on a friday night to watch drag I, and so to see the reaction to see people get excited i mean marty and i are are texting every day like how do we make this happen we gotta we gotta make this happen so yeah we'll see what the future holds we're doing the work so
0: well and it's interesting too watching the show you know, the, the whole world of intersectionality is so interesting, right? So I'm a gay man, but I'm a cis white gay man. Um, and so there's just this whole range of what you relate to, what you don't relate to, what makes sense to you. And so what's interesting watching, I think for so many people watching a show with drag artists on it is also the the chance to play with identity. Mm-hmm. The chance to try on different things, the chance to see what's okay for you. I mean, we're watching it with my toddler. She's uh, like one and a half almost, and so it's just so interesting to think of like her growing up in a world realizing there's there's all these options for who we can be, and right. that just doesn't show up so often in those kind of places.
2: Yeah, and uh, I, I think that was very important for Marty and I to be able to show up and be our most authentic selves despite the few naysayers that were like, well, well, they're just putting on a show and this is a circus. Like that's Marty and I, anybody that knows Marty and I sure it's slightly elevated because we're on TV, but at the end of the day, that's us. We, we got there because that's who we are and and who we, we were when we were talking with casting. And then uh, the other really important thing that I think came out of the show is we met people like big Al, who is a truck driver from uh, Wisconsin, I believe, is where he was from. And I mean, he said it a thousand times. He was like, there is no world in which we would have crossed paths. <laughs> and now that I have met you, I, my, my mind is so open to it and so excited to, to see how kind and, and, and how much joy and, and laughter you're, you can bring. Um, and I think, frankly, it goes both ways. I think there's always this huge talk about, Oh, when straight people meet queer people, they're suddenly so accepting and so open-minded to to what that lifestyle is, is. Is what people love to say. But at the same time, I have no interest in what a truck driver is doing in in, <laughs> in Wisconsin. I I I'm, I I didn't think that I had a, a, an investment of in like school teachers from Kentucky. But then you get to sit down and have these conversations and remember that we are all humans and that we all share so many commonalities, but also lead such different lives. And it's so interesting to learn about that and to hear what people are doing outside of, you know, I, I've been in New York City for almost 10 years now. So like to hear about experiences outside of the city is always so good and so uh, enlightening and educating. And it reminds me that like the work that I do has such a widespread and can affect people in all walks of life.
0: Well, it's interesting right now. I mean, when we're, when the the show aired and when we're recording this conversation, the things that are going on in in states like Florida and Texas for, for, I mean, gay kids in general, for trans people is so frightening. And so it's, it's, I don't know, there has, is there a part of that for you? That's like, maybe someone's mom, maybe someone's dad, maybe, maybe them themselves are watching this
2: and thinking, okay, wait, uh, I don't know, there's hope maybe. 100%. Uh, uh, Marty tweeted about it, a few people tweeted about it yesterday, and we're just like, how important is it in this country right now for with all the uh, anti-trans legislation that's happening, all of this stuff that is frankly intended to harm trans kids and and, and, uh, non-binary kids and kids that are just suffering in general, how important it is to have this representation on a channel that, frankly, most of those people that are going to be trying to implement these laws are going to be tuning into. They nice. may turn it off as soon as they see us, but at the same time, we're there and and we're able to hopefully open up some of these dialogues. So, I mean, it, it it's it's so 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 tough to see how much hate is working right. in the world and how much hate is working against trans kids in particular. Like what you have no, no better work to do in the government to, than to just sit and attack trans kids. <laughs> Got it. But at the same time, it's so good to know that we are able to kind of kick open some of these doors and to say, even if you don't like it, we're here. And frankly, if you met me, I'm pretty <laughs> sure we would be good friends. Right.
0: One of the things I think was also really clear in this show, which I think is different because the competition is is different in shows like all of the the Metaverse of uh, of Drag Race, RuPaul's program. It is more of a competition, and you see some of the sisterhood. You see some of the everyone lifts everyone up. But I think that you and Marty in this really really live that not just for each other. But I was watching even in the finale of you checking in with um with Cheyenne. Is that mm-hmm. her name? The, the person that was in the top two on the blue team with you checking in, supporting you being, I mean, you're on TV. You're so entertaining. You're singing songs, you're supporting everybody. And you don't really see that in some of the other programs with drag. And that, from my understanding, I had a, I used to host a, a karaoke night and I was like 20. I was the little 21. I was the little like boy band looking dude. And my co-star of it was a drag queen. And so we used to host this in Chicago. And so I would always get invited. Uh, they would always invite me with all their friends and we would go out. And I got kind of to to see an interesting glimpse of a world that, again, as a as a white, cis, gay dude, I was not really invited to often or, or didn't look for. And so it was so interesting to me that that was really clear. And I don't know if that's just who you and Marty are, but I saw the way you were doing it for each other, obviously, but also everyone else on the show really lifting all ships with you. Is that, I mean, maybe that's just part of who you are. You're just good people like that.
2: I I think that that's one of the main reasons that Marty and I were drawn together is that, that at our core is what we're here to do always is just like, there's no reason for us not to lift each other up until somebody starts trying to push people down. <laughs> um, uh, and I think that that's a huge bond of ours. But at the same time, like, We were all in that kitchen panicked. Every single one of us were (laughs) under these time crunches, under a lot of lights, with 10,000 cameras in our face, and trying to reach the same common goal. So at the end of the day, in, in the same way that in life, if I have the ability to help somebody that is a little bit less off than I am, or that may not be as clear about something as I am, then uh, there's no reason for me not to help. And there's no reason for me not to share the knowledge that I may have that they don't, because I would expect it in return, frankly. And um, so I think that was a, a, a huge thing that Marty and I kind of, we went in wanting to be the cheerleaders and wanting to make sure that we were there having a good time. That's what we do at our shows. That's what we do in life. So that was not, Necessarily a conscious thing that we chose to do, but it's just who we are. And at one point, I I remember and Chef Ann Burrell, uh, was talking about it, and she was like, "I, "I think you all really changed what this season is because you come in and you have this really infectious energy, but also this energy to just be kind and help each other, and it's made." It made both of our teams stronger and it's just made, I think, the general atmosphere in the room just always a little bit more cohesive and more. F- we were there and have had a good time and there was no reason for us to be nasty to each other over winning a competition. I mean, someone's going to win no matter what. So we might as well have a good time getting there, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's, it's always easy for a winner to say that. I know, I know. <laughs> But it's easy to say now from the podium, isn't it? Exactly. But I mean, even if I didn't win, that I, I I wanted to do that the whole time because it's it's more fun. And who wants just I think when people are successful too, it's always more successful if one it's challenging and it feels like you really earned the success that you've gotten and two if you are able to bring people along and have a good journey along to that success you know i think um i think jay-z says at one point like i'm not winning unless my whole team is winning or i'm not paid unless my whole team is paid and i i think that that mentality like why not that mentality
0: yeah yeah. Well, and it really is a, I mean, we've, we've been watching the show. I think we've watched all the, all the, I don't know what is it, like season 23 or something. Yeah. We've watched them all at this point, all the celebrity versions too. My husband is a chef, so okay. we, we have fun watching it. Um, and I, I agree with what, what chef Anne said that it really did feel different. And for me it was interesting because on the celebrity version of worst cooks, there's a, uh, a little more freedom. You know, they do seem like they're having a lot of fun because for the celebrities, it's like, you know, I don't want to look bad, but I'm here to have fun, yada, yada. Yeah. And it felt like an elevated version of that even. Like with you and Marty on the show, it really felt even more of that, that that, that you really ran with that idea. And so obviously part of this is who you are. What role does being in drag have to that as well of of having a persona and in realizing the entertainment value. How does that show up when you're doing something in a competition
2: where you still have to cook? Um it's so interesting. People oftentimes ask me about Peaches versus Philip and how they differentiate. And anybody that knows me knows that there's not a ton of difference between uh, the two. Uh, but the one thing that I I do think that Peaches gives me and that I, I feel the freedom in is just being even more confident than I already am. and And the confidence in being able to shed all expectations because mm-hmm. i think a lot of times i walk into situations out of drag and i th- feel like people will view me and automatically think one thing and yada 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 and i think the same thing happens with peaches but i think that there's also an element of it's this is a drag queen like they're going to do as they do and and i think the best part about that is that the expectation is we're going to be loud and obnoxious and putting <laughs> on a show the whole time. The fun part is that then I get to bring my truest self to it and be also kind and nurturing and, and have that good time in the kitchen while still being able to check in on all of my teammates and still being able to, to uh, uh, change the energy. I, I, I think Marty and I have the ability to walk into a room and change the energy no matter what, even on our worst days when we (laughs) are awake at 6. AM and are getting ready to do a high stress skill drill. We can still walk in and say, this is exactly what we signed up for. This is going to be so much fun. Let's do this versus, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that we're here at this hour. And I can't believe that we (laughs) have two hours earlier than everybody else to put on makeup. And I'm walking around in a corset while you're all comfortable in your sweats, you know, like it, we are able to walk in and kind of frame it exactly how we want it to be framed.
0: Well, that's such an interesting statement too. around, this is what we signed up for. So let's love it. Mm -hmm. We agree. I think there's so many times, I mean, so many of the people that listen to this show are public speakers and they want to be public speakers. They've got, you know, they're doing videos for their business and that kind of thing. And a lot of times, the turning on the camera and, and saying, "Oh, I'm going to record the content for my my new course, my new online course," or "I'm here. I had a client this morning who was at a gig, and and she's a star, so she was fine." But sometimes people think, "Oh, I um, oh, I got to get up. I got my tech check. I've got to do my run through. Oh, this audience, that thing." And it's like this is what we signed up for. That's such a refreshing
2: reframe. I think reframe. Uh, it's. It, 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 Work is exhausting. It's always exhausting. (laughs) And I think uh, people are always like, there's that meme that's like, uh, whenever someone asks me what my dream job is, I said, I don't dream of labor. And I'm (laughs) always like, yes, that's true. But ultimately we all have to work unless we're very, very lucky. And I I, I have a musical theater background and I went to school for musical theater and I had a, a teacher one time say about auditioning which i think most actors can agree is just like the bottom of the barrel part of doing (laughs) that job i had a teacher say you have to walk into the room understanding that you are living the dream of every actor you get to put on a one-person show Mm -hmm. for at least three minutes you get to connect with your audience that is only there to see you. If you reframe the way that you're walking into these spaces and walking into the work that you're doing, then it, it makes it so different. And as soon as he told me that I started walking to my auditions, I was like, hell yeah, this is exactly what I signed up for. I want you to sit there and want nothing more than to see me and to see me succeed and to be exactly what you were looking for. And, and I think, When I started looking at things like that, it made it so much easier and and so much more fun. It it makes it easy to put the fun into the work that you're doing because it's always going to be work. Everything Mm -hmm. that we do, even if we're not doing a job per se, it's always going to be work. So when you find a way to make it fun, then it's easy. And when it stops being fun, then you take a step back and you reassess and you say, what do I need to do? Do I need to walk away from this? Do I need to? If, if I can't make this fun for myself anymore, what do I do? Mm-hmm. It's not always a clear answer, but I mean, three years ago, I was acting. I was working at Trader Joe's. I was on that grind. And then I stepped back and said, I've hit rock bottom. What do I do now? And here I am. So, yeah.
0: It's, it's, I had a, one of my acting coaches when I was younger said to me, that the the casting people want you to be the one because yes. they don't want to watch 27 of you they want yes. you to walk in and be the one and it was like that's kind of i think that even about when people go on stage when when public speakers are going to go give a talk it's like your audience wants you to be the one they yes. want you to be the one who's like i love them they were the best they're not ready to judge you they want you to win and it's i don't know it's re, i don't
2: that's kind of relieves a little pressure i think 100 and and Walking into those situations, the only person that is worried about you not succeeding is you.
0: <laughs> Ooh, that's
2: The that's only it. person that thinks that you're not going to do well is you. Everybody that's sitting in an audience that's paid to see you, that is anticipating a show from you, thinks that you got that job because you know exactly what you're doing, that you are ready to do it, that you are, are about to knock this out of the park. So the only person that thinks that you're not going to is you. So- mm. Bam.
0: That should go in the book.
2: Whenever you write a
0: book, that go that's the life advice.
2: That's the foreword. <laughs> yes. Before you read anything else just know you're the only person that thinks you're not going to be good at this.
0: Oh. It's so true. I mean, even even thinking of of, you know, worse cooks. Obviously, it's a show called Worst Cooks, but I would imagine that the producers, that Chef Ann, that Chef Cliff, they they want you to win. It's like I need one of you to be so good that you can win. Let's do this together. Versus
2: really wanting to judge you. One hundred percent. I did. I mean, I don't know how much I'm able to talk about it, but like even on the first day when we walked in before we started filming anything, Chef Ann was like, "You have to understand that we call it boot camp for a reason," and I am here because I want you all to absorb all of this and to learn all of this. And when we started off on that level on day one, when we have these two world-class chefs telling us, Hey, I want you to win. Then that's, it's easy after that. And then, and then you're going, like even going through the show, you sit there and you think about it and you're sitting with five other people with celebrity chefs or a, a executive chefs for world-class Michelin star restaurants <laughs> sitting and teaching you personally in what would in any other situation be thousands of dollars worth of classes. And instead it's just you <laughs> and enjoying and getting to try it immediately after and like getting one-on-one, like what? That, it, it blows my mind to think that I technically just got paid a big old check to go to one of the best cooking classes in the world.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, it's, cool. yeah, that, it, it, it's such an interesting thing. How often, again, because we're worried about ourselves, not doing well, not making it to the end of something. We, we don't look at that. I mean, I think of all the times, even for myself that I've been at a, a conference or or when I was doing, when I was uh doing sketch, doing performance, doing commercials, whatever it was, You don't enjoy it because you're so worried about doing well. And if you could remove that, again, people pay a lot of money to go to a conference and you as a speaker get to be there and you could see these other, you know, world-class, you get to see, I got to see Brene Brown for free one time. It
2: was crazy. Yes.
0: Michelle Obama. I saw Michelle Obama for free one time. And it's like, these people pay thousands of dollars. And if I was worried about myself, um, yeah, that makes so much sense.
2: Yeah. And I think also, like, the other thing that I've learned multiple times through a lot of these experiences is, like, I used to be so worried about end gaming and about figuring out where I'm going and about in school, they were always big on make your five day plan and then make your five week <laughs> plan and make your five month plan and, and and figure out what where these goals are. And I think that that is very important. I do think you should be setting goals for yourself. But the thing that I've discovered most is in setting those goals and trying to achieve those goals, the best things tend to happen when you don't get there and something else comes along and and just shifts you a little bit further off of that because it oftentimes just spirals and turns into other things. I met Marty drunk as a skunk in a bar (laughs) and happened to have a picture of myself in drag. I met Marty when I had been doing drag for three months, I want to say. And Marty... I, I, of course, like an idiot, stumbled up to Marty and was like, I just love you. We've met a few times before, but you don't remember me. And Marty was like, sure, kid. And then saw <laughs> my background on my phone. I happened to have a picture. I, a friend of mine took some cool pictures of me when I first started in drag. And Marty was like, oh, are you a drag queen? And I was like, of course I am. <laughs> and Marty signed me up for this competition that they used to host in New York City. And... I did that eight-week competition, and it just spiraled from there. Marty became my drag mother. I ended up after that. Now, after we came out of lockdown, I, I have seven gigs in the city right now. I'm on TV. Like, you just never know. And and I think at that time, I certainly wasn't saying, how am I going to get Marty Gold Cummings to become my drag mother and help me have a successful drag career? I was yeah. just thinking about my life and I, would, I was back in the corporate world and I was back and in, in doing things and trying to figure out what the next step was and setting those goals. And in doing that, I've now found this incredible new career and this incredible new skill set that I didn't even know I had. So mm-hmm. I think it's just really important to always remember that things don't always turn out the way that you think they're going to be, but that doesn't mean that's not how they were supposed to turn out, mm. if that makes sense. It's that, uh, the cheesy little TJ Maxx poster that's like, (laughs) shoot for the moon. And even if you don't hit the moon, at least you'll land among the stars. Yes. I love that. I love, I hate how corny and cheesy it is, but I absolutely love that saying because I think that is literally how my life has turned out over and over again. I think it is the
0: better than the, uh, live, laugh, love. It's the, it's the (laughs) hundred percent
2: My friends, my new favorite thing is my friends have started, uh, whenever they're excited about something, they just will either text or actually out loud say, oh, girl, I live, laugh, love that. (laughs) It is the worst and the best all at the same time.
0: I love it. My mom and my sister are very into it. And it took them several holidays and birthday gifts to realize that we were not very into it. come to our house, it's like where's that sign I got you? And it, it was, I don't know. It broke. It it's, broke. It just didn't make it. I'm not it didn't sure. didn't make it. Didn't cut it. I could see, I could see a world, I'm putting this out in there too, a world where, you know, uh, Kelly Clarkson is doing those Wayfair commercials. Oh, sure. I could see a whole Peaches with the Z and Marty Cummings Wayfair line. Babe, I would pay
2: for it. I, it will likely, mine will just be like a, Four wick candle that has a button on the side, and one of my signature songs will play whenever you need some inspiration for life. <laughs> I love it. That was
0: one of the fun parts for me as well, watching the show was all the music. You were singing, you were making up songs. It, it was, that was a really fun part of the show. And that was new. That's never happened on Worst Coast.
2: That is how I process things. I, I <laughs> like I said, I'm a music, I come from a musical theater world, and I have always just been the kid that sings a lot. and it, it's, I didn't realize how much of it was going to make it into the edit. And I was cackling <laughs> because I was like, this is ridiculous. I sound like a crazy person. Yeah. But there are also lots of times where like you're sitting there trying to cook and you've got a producer being like, hey, Peaches, you got to say something. I'm like, I can't focus. I'm just going to sting. I'm cutting a potato. And I got some <laughs> onions.
0: I, love I imagine there are people from past seasons who watched this season who thought, ah, why couldn't I have been on this season? Because it was just so much fun. It was really fun.
2: Oh, it was such a blast to do. And even crazier watching it.
0: <laughs> yeah, watching it back.
2: Oh, especially because there was a good amount of time in between filming and, and watching and or, mm-hmm. or airtime. Air so there's so much stuff that was just like, it felt like nostalgia almost. I'm like, it was only six months ago, but whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I remember She was
0: there. She was so cute and innocent back then. Oh,
2: the worst thing I will say is in the time from the show until now, my makeup has drastically changed. So watching the show I'm like, "Oh girl, you <laughs> are giving choices today. You're giving options. You are you're doing something." That's I love it. the funniest thing. Did you all have from the
0: beginning to the end? What did 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 uh because I know it's relatively quick the way they film these things. Did did your um did they give you any wardrobe makeup help, or was that really just you the whole time doing that?
2: Yeah, I don't know how much I'm allowed to talk about. Okay. I will say the initial plan when we got to the show, what they told us via all of our communications was we'll have you in drag for the first episode, and if you make it any further, you can be out of drag. And we filmed the first episode, and they said, we love it. Are you okay being in drag for the rest of the show if you make it any further? And we said, okay. (laughs) And we had brought enough looks for one day. So we had, like, our finale gowns, because we certainly didn't think we were making it to the finale. And, like, we didn't have time to have something made or anything. We... Two weeks before the finale when we're like, oh, we might make it. We should have something in case. We ordered from Amazon and had it shipped to the hotel. So those are two like twenty five dollar Amazon dresses that we had shipped to the hotel because we were like, I'm not going to look crazy in the finale. And they turned out great for little cheap Amazon dresses.
0: Yeah. This is the the finale finale where you're standing in front of like Kwame Kwame, by the way. Can we just talk about Kwame? Ugh. We we yes. We will. We'll message. We'll message. Um, yeah. that outfit was from Amazon.
2: Both of those—my wow. red dress and my blue dress—they were both <laughs> from Amazon, and some jewels I found thrown together. I think I'm wearing a belt as a necklace in that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was wild. It was very rapid. So fun. Okay, so wait. So you also
0: brought home a first-time win for Chef Cliff, right? He's never been on the show before. That's
2: correct. Nice. First Against Anne, who is the queen of the show. Oh, my goodness. I know. I don't think Anne was too pleased with that, but she's <laughs> never happy to lose, you know? No. <laughs> and, and she she's so, she's so fun to
0: watch because she does come across so frightening mm-hmm. but also just you could see how loving and and caring she is or seemingly maybe you'll say not at all but how um you know she really balances that line too of like what am i doing for tv and for show and also i have to help someone win and how do i care for you so so you get
2: there and you don't break down she is one of the kindest people i've ever met and i think uh chef and Anne- has been doing it so long that like you said, she knows exactly how to walk that line of I'm hosting a television show <laughs> versus I'm teaching a cooking class and I'm teaching people that have no idea what the hell they're doing, <laughs> how to gain these skills in quickly. Um, and quickly. And it it was, it was just so wonderful to meet her and to get to interact with her. And uh, uh she, she doesn't, from what we were told, she doesn't necessarily stay in touch with recruits that long after, but she, after the show, Marty was literally still texting her being like, I'm trying to make this and I need help. And she was like, I got you, baby. Like kitchen help. Yes. (laughs) That's great. So good. Yeah. Her, her and and Marty got bonded really closely and, and it was, it was just so nice. Like day one, she, we, Marty and I mentioned that we had been working on the campaign and in between filming segments, she like came over and was like, I heard that you guys were working on this and like, tell me more about it. Cause I'm trying to get more involved in New York City, mm-hmm. local politics. And it's, it's just so cool to hear that you're doing that. And she, she cared, she honestly cared. And I think that that's one of the best things. Cause you know, you watch these TV shows and you think there are two options. There's that version or there's the version where the host who's been doing it for 23 seasons in between takes goes and smokes a cigarette and doesn't talk to anybody and says leave me alone you know? yeah so no Anne was absolutely <laughs> wonderful to work with
0: and you could see even in the in the first um few episodes her even doing that for for chef cliff too of taking care of him i saw her saying to him there was a clip last night in the finale of her saying what 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 are you feeling what are you watching what do you need to say and she she was even coaching him a little bit i'm like let's let me help you get into your new role here
2: totally Especially, I mean, especially for Cliff because he has other TV shows on the Food Network. So I think, you know, you get into the groove of doing something your way and, and, yeah. and functioning like that. And then you come into a new environment and you have to get your sea legs really quickly. And she was, she's had enough people cycle through that she knows exactly how to speak to the other chef and, and really yeah. like help guide them and be like, this is how we're going to get this done. And this is how we're going to avoid having 20-hour shoot days. We're going <laughs> to to hear and focus yeah it was great i I love the idea of
0: having i mean a world-class celebrity chef on speed dial for like how do
2: i fix this lamb chop it's wild he (laughs) marty is also friends with uh david burka neil patrick Harris's husband and He also cooks, and and so every now and then I'll be sitting around and and Marty will be like, I'm trying to make a tomato salad, because that's the one thing that Marty knows how to make. (laughs) And we'll be like, I I, I don't have anything to dress it with, help me. And I'm like, are you literally on the phone with David Brooker right now?
0: Yep. Who's like in the Hamptons or right. in Pacific Palisades or something.
2: Exactly.
0: <laughs> I love it. That's the life. And Marty too, uh, a great, a great TEDx, um, several great podcast appearances, like really, really such a, such a leader in this, in this space 100%. Um, as well, as well. So where I think one of the things that's really interesting in this whole you know, even talking about Chef Anne and her persona and who she is on camera to both of you on there, y- you spoke about it a little bit before of of the similarities between Peaches and and Philip, but what are there things that Peaches allows Philip to do that Philip would never do on his own? Even I get you were talking about, you know, walking in a room and people looking at Philip versus Peaches and the expectation there, but are there parts of Philip that come alive? in Peaches, I mean, I, I imagine probably, you know, it's hard to be someone you're not anyway, so all, I'm very like Stanislavski in this like, it's all part of you, it's all coming from your truth, but are there things where you say, this is how Peaches has made Philip a more robust life or something, you know, like, how has that kind of helped Philip change? I'm curious.
2: Um, I mean, at its core, I think that Uh, Peaches has given me voice where I didn't have a voice Hmm. and has given me permission to speak up about things where I didn't feel like I necessarily had the space to speak up about things. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. And I'm most excited because Peaches has created a platform that has forced me to educate myself more and to, do the work so that I can then use said platform to educate my audiences and to mm. to ask them to activate themselves into things. Uh, I think all of us kind of became the social justice warrior throughout the pandemic and, and uh, got really into that. And I think Peaches has given me permission to lean into that and to not feel guilt about being passionate about our communities and about mm working to better our relationships with each other and with how we're treating people that how we treat our unhoused neighbors, how we treat women in queer spaces, how we treat our, our lesbian and bisexual and pan, uh, community members. I think I've gotten a lot. I, Philip has gotten a lot more grace in attacking those issues because of peaches. Mm.
0: And it's an interesting – it's interesting to think of, of how being someone else got, cuts back to the core of who you are in a way. Mm-hmm. Of totally. How that allows that to, to shine and brighten. It's and like
2: wonder, acting. It's uh, – you know, you go to acting school and they say you have to rip everything apart to put it back together to be the full version of it. And I think – uh that very much I, I I'm so grateful for my acting training because I think it makes me a better drag artist because I have the tools and the ability to kind of empathize and step away from things and really create who Peaches is with all of this semi-broken parts of Philip. Mm. If that makes sense. I can I can pick and choose all of the best parts and make this really ultimately super powerful version of myself, which is why I have a hard time saying that it's two different personas, because I think peaches is the best of me. Mm -hmm.
0: And if you had a ability to kind of spread that to other people who maybe never will do drag, maybe uh, will never experience what that's like. What is it that they need to do? You know, what is it that that the average person, being a suburban dad, a suburban mom, a public speaker talking about human resources, how do they tap into that? So even if they don't end up ever doing drag, they can figure that out too. Because I think a lot of people are that way. They have those broken parts of themselves and they don't know how to channel that into something bigger
2: and different. Is there a way to do that? I the The biggest thing that I've learned in my life is empathy and learning to empathize with people and to really take a step back and remove myself from a situation that involves me and make it no longer involving me so that yeah. I can objectively say, how does everybody in this situation feel? It's helped me in my personal relationships. It's helped me in my friendships. It's helped me at work. And I think that is... I think empathy is exactly the thing that is missing from all of the hatred that's going on. If any single one of the people that are working on this anti-trans legislation could just take a deep breath and step back and say, if you did not identify the way that you did and asked somebody to just respect you and say, this is who you are now, If you were in that position and somebody said, no, if you do that, I'm going to literally put you in a place to, at the very least, give you severe mental health decline and detriment, and at the most likely force you to a point of physical harm, if they were able to step back and say, oh, that's how this is going to affect somebody, then I think people would be totally different. Because mm-hmm. ultimately, at the end of all of this, when we really step back and look at it, it's frankly nobody's business. Like it, it, <laughs> It's not going to have any effect on you, what I do with my friends that you've never met, or what I do with my family that you're never going to break bread with. So why does it matter? Mm-hmm. As soon as I think people are able to take that step back and say, oh, this doesn't affect me at all. it it will allow people to think in a bigger way and to, to connect in a a bigger way. Mm -hmm. Cause if I'm meeting somebody that I don't, I meet plenty of people that I don't necessarily like, we're not meant to like (laughs) everybody, but if I, there's no reason for me to be malicious to them because I don't understand their experience, you know? And I think if we take the chance to try and understand others' experiences, it will make it easier for us to adjust how we address them. Not telling anybody to change how they're thinking or change the way that they uh, uh, experience their own life, but you have to learn to adjust the way that you speak to people and the way that you try there's, there's no good that comes from trying to adjust other people's thinking, I guess. is is uh, That's not the best way to say it, because I think we should be challenging each other to think outside the box. But there's no good in trying to adjust people's morals mm-hmm. or, or ethics. You're likely not going to be able to do that. So if you change the way that they think about said morals or think about their ethics, then I think it gives people a chance to fully be objective and empathize and step back from things.
0: Well, I think that's, that's a big part of what performance does. It's what theater does. It's what performance art does. I think it's what storytellers, public speakers should be trying to do more is less of me telling you what to do. Even if you are, you know, an HR speaker talking about company work or something, Mm -hmm. and really not trying to change what you do, but helping you think about it differently. And I think that's what you did so beautifully on this show as well. And and it's such a role model, I think, for so many people.
2: Totally. But I mean, even in an HR situation, I still have my full-time job right now. I still am working in the corporate sector like an idiot because I apparently want to die exhausted, but- (laughs) we're having constant conversations right now about returning to work and about what that looks like. And I think if we are able to stop and say, why do we need to go back to the office? Yeah. Versus what is returning to the office going, how will that affect everybody's lives? Uh, I think, it will be a conversation versus a, a, a dictation. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I think that across the board, no matter where it, it's just, we, we'd have to learn to see all sides of the story versus the bottom line. And a lot mm-hmm. of times in corporate America, it tends to be the bottom line and it tends to be, we're paying. We just signed another 22 year lease right before the shutdown and so now we have to figure out how to utilize the space versus oh all, all everybody in our corporation has thrived under these circumstances and we've now created a new normal and we've realized that we can do it like this <laughs> how do we figure out how to make this work for everybody
0: yeah so it's another example where the performance of it the actual like look what happened really shows a light of what's possible and we're fighting it the same way that i think uh performers on stage storytellers public speakers do of can we embody it and model it in a way that people say of course that makes sense um, and then sometimes of course people ignore that as you're 100%. as you're pointing out 100 <laughs> percent. my last question for you before i let you but surely there are other media people banging on your door and i'm so honored to be the first but my last question for you is If you think back to teenage Philip sitting and watching TV uh, and, and watching worst cooks comes on 23 seasons ago. Um, Now as the first black non-binary drag artist on the food network, I, I would say probably winning competitions that are not drag race in general, probably you're the first. What would you say to that person? not the ruPaul edit
2: <laughs> I mean listen I I had a really good childhood and I was a, a happy teenager looking back on it now I know in the thick of it it was a really tough time and puberty is is a, is a, a real son of a but <laughs> I think if I had to look back and say something to that, Philip, I would just say, take your time, but also, there, there, there's, I would say, hurry up and 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 figure things out, because I think I I I was a very lazy. Was and am a very lazy human being, but also as soon as I start to do the work, things change for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the double Virgo in me. And uh, so I, I think I would just say, take your time, but but hurry up. Because as soon as you start to do the work, things will really fall in place and, and things will thrive and flourish for you.
0: That was such a fun conversation. Did you fall in love with Peaches? Because I did. I definitely did. You can probably sh- check this show out wherever you watch old Food Network shows, uh, whatever version of cable, whatever uh, streaming device. You can check out Peaches with a Z on Food Network's Worst Cooks in America, Season 23. Uh, you can also learn more about Peaches over at peaches.nyc. That's the website. Uh, it's peaches, with a Z, not an S, dot .nyc, P-E-A-C-H-E-Z, .nyc. There's some really fun merch that they've got there as well, uh, best of the worst merch and stuff, really, really fun things. Uh, you could also follow Peaches on Instagram at peaches.nyc. Peaches, don't forget to make the S a Z, peaches.nyc, and over on Twitter at peachesnyc. As for us, we will see you on the next episode of the mic drop moment. Thanks for listening.
1: This episode has ended, but your journey doesn't have to. Head on over to MikeGanino.com. Access all the resources and links that Mike and his guests shared today. And keep on crafting your own story. That's MikeGanino.com. Your audience is waiting. Isn't it time to find your hashtag MikeDropMoment? moment?